Hello, Warriors, and welcome to Warrior Life Podcast number 367. This is Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson this week, and I want to talk about something a little dark this week, but it's something that we need to talk about. It's something that you need to hear, and that is, why do survivalists die? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, we're back. I realized that was a little abrupt, but it's a topic we do need to talk about. The topic of why survivalists and preppers, the people among us who are supposed to be the most prepared, sometimes die in survival situations. Now, Part of that, I realize, is that you can do everything. What's that quote from Star Trek The Next Generation? Sometimes you can do everything right and still fail, and, and that's not weakness. It's just life. Um, I'm probably dating myself by quoting Star Trek The Next Generation. But uh, the fact is, sometimes you know you can do everything you're supposed to do, and you simply aren't able to overcome the threat that you face. I mean... No matter how many supplies you have, no matter how prepared you are, if you're sitting in your house and without warning, a tornado that you weren't warned about uh, rips through the field and picks up your house and chucks it at your neighbor's place, you're probably not going to survive, and that's through no fault of your own. But there are uh, several reasons that people who should be the most prepared among us, survivalists, preppers, people like us who spend our time thinking about how to be better prepared for emergencies, there are reasons why sometimes we fail, and it's because we're human. We make certain mistakes, and there are, I would say, five categories of mistake that we should talk about so that you can avoid making them. The first step in avoiding making these survival mistakes is to make sure that you recognize them. You say, oh, I'm doing this. You must constantly be assessing yourself, asking yourself, am I, am I making this mistake? And I know it can drive you a little nutty. Over 2020, during the 2020 pandemic, I had a lot of time to sit and think about uh, all of the preps I'd made up to that point, my history as a survivalist, as a prepper, and what I'd done right and what I had done wrong. Uh, the, the pandemic taught me a lot. And along the way, I ended up looking really cool to the people around me. And I'll get to that. But let's start with the very first category of mistake that I think comes before all the others. Number one, uh, the number one reason I think why survivalists sometimes die is because they're thinking about survival, they're thinking about prepping, but they're not doing. There are a lot of people out there who are sort of survivalists and preppers in their hearts. They think about the things they need to do. They agree. They, they consume podcasts like this one. And, you know, maybe they sign up and they, they read the Warrior Life blog and other sites like that. And, and you know, they're right there with you. They're, they understand the dangers. But for whatever reason, they haven't actually done anything. And, of course, obviously, if you're not actually taking any preparations, then you're not going to be ready when something happens. You're, you're going to recognize, oh, yeah, this is that thing that was going to kill me. And now it is. So... One of the reasons people do that, it's a very human tendency. Uh, we tend to talk ourselves out of things because it's too hard. You know, you might say, well, I don't have the money. It's expensive. And, you know, if, if this is going to happen, I'm just going to die. So I'm going to go the wishful thinking route and hope that it just doesn't happen. And this was a common sort of coping mechanism during the Cold War when we were all worried about nuclear survival. Thank goodness that's not really a big concern right now. It flares up periodically, like when we were rattling nuclear sabers with North Korea a few years back. But 
for the most part, the the nuclear Cold War survival is pretty much a relic of the 1980s. It's something that I remember as a survivalist from that era. I have books on how to survive nuclear war. Thank goodness it didn't come to that. But a lot of people, even survivalists, even preppers were like, you know, if that happens, I hope I just get vaporized fast because nobody wants to live in the world that results. And there were TV movies about Basically, the alternate title for every one of those movies is Boy Will It Suck If There's a Nuclear War. I remember movies like The Day After, which was a, a famous TV movie about nuclear war. And it's just a relentlessly depressing movie about, oh, well, you survived nuclear war, but everything sucks and is horrible and everyone's dying of radiation poisoning. And wow, uh, I'm just going to go sit down and not think about anything because everything is horrible. That's, that's what those movies make you feel. And I saw those movies as a kid. There were a bunch of nuclear war movies like that. The Day After is the most famous one, but it's not the only one. And I don't know why I did this to myself, but I watched all of those movies. I was so convinced that I was just going to die in the blink of a nuclear fire as a child. That I, I really I feel bad for that generation that they had to grow up like that. I guess every generation grows up with its own threats, kind of like now. Um, but anyway... Because nuclear war was seen as just insurmountable, an insurmountable challenge, a lot of people didn't bother to take any preparations about it. Well, let's just hope I'm, I'm gone because it's going to suck and it'll be, you either die fast or you die slow. That was basically the choice. The reality is that there are things you can do for even threats as extreme as that. But uh, fortunately, the threats, the realistic threats that we face now are, are a lot less severe than that. You may still be talking yourself out of doing something about it if you're thinking, well, I'm too old or I'm not physically strong enough. Um, you know, I, I just I better hope it's not going to happen because, you know, if the pharmacies close, I'm not going to be able to get my life saving heart medication. I say this as somebody who takes heart medication, by the way. I'm not saying this, uh, you know, as a, as a hypothetical. When, during the pandemic, there was a very real concern that certain pharmacies, uh, certain pharmaceuticals, rather, were not going to be available because they were being imported from other countries. So you can bet I had hoarded a stockpile of supplies of the stuff that keeps me alive. Uh, and that's something that all of us who rely on medication should be doing. But there may be people who are like, I, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. Um, so I'm not going to bother. It's too much work. Um, the reality is you can do something. You can get started small. You can do just a little bit, then just a little more, then just a little more. Like for instance, if, if you're one of those people who relies on medication, you go to your doctor, you say, I'm worried about having a backup supply of medication just in case, how can you help me? Sometimes they can give you samples. Sometimes they will wink at you and say, well, if you were to lose your medication, I could write you a new script for more. Now, this doesn't work for stuff that's very, very controlled. Like, it could be like, doc, I, I misplaced my oxycodone. Like, they're not going to do that. But when it comes to very commonly available heart medications, blood pressure medications, a lot of the stuff that a lot of people take, um, those are things that you can generally buy, and it doesn't cost that much to buy it out of pocket because it is so common. It is so cheap. I remember once I misplaced some heart medication, genuinely lost it, and it cost me all of $10 to buy it out of pocket once I got a replacement prescription. So you can do something. You can start buying a little extra food, putting a few extra cans of food away. You can start buying a few extra of all the supplies that you are thinking you should be stockpiling. Yeah, you're not going to be, you know, uh, what's that guy's name? Burt Gummer from Tremors. You're not going to be him overnight, but you can be more prepared a little bit at a time. And once you look back after weeks and then months of having done that, suddenly 
you're not doing bad at all. When the 2020 pandemic happened, I had let some of my preps lapse. Like I had, you know, there had been periods of time when I was really into buying survival food. I realized when the 2020 pandemic happened and suddenly we were all worried about food shortages, when the shelves cleared out in the grocery stores and stuff, I had let a lot of that stuff get really old. And some of it was still good, but some of it was really beyond its its shelf life. So uh, there was a lot of things I hadn't done and kept up with. And to get survival food during 2020 was really hard. Everybody was looking at months and months of lead time. So uh, another thing that I, I wouldn't have even considered, there were other supplies that it never even would have occurred to me to prepare for. We'll get to that. That's one of my later points further in this talk. But my point is that if you do a little bit over time, even if you're doing it during an ongoing emergency, suddenly you can be much better off. I got to the end of 2020 and I was so stocked up. I st I've got toilet paper for days, man. I've got so many supplies that I didn't have at hand at the beginning of 2020. I now have plenty of. If they were to declare another lockdown, another, you know, some other issue caused people to make a run on the stores, I would be in pretty good shape. And it's because I just took that time and spent what I could, what I could afford, and I managed to build up my stocks. You can do the same thing. It is not too hard. It is not too expensive. Just do a little bit and repeat. Time is on your side because in most cases, the emergency isn't now, unless you're one of those places that is actively having a flood, actively having a fire. Um, you know, the, the pandemic has been with us for a long time, but it's kind of a slow boil. People were still able to prepare and buy things during that time, even though some things were hard to get. So with the idea that time is on your side, you can start prepping now and build up over time to be in a much better position. And the more you stockpile, the better you will feel and the better uh, able you will be to keep yourself and your family alive. That's what this is all about. Okay, so that was number one, uh, thinking, not doing. Number two, I would call forgetting the lowest common denominator. You've got to make sure that you're not making all your preps for you being healthy and in good shape. And because there's two reasons for that. One, it isn't just about you. If you've got kids, if you've got elderly relatives or other dependents, even if you've got certain pets that you're not willing to leave behind, you've got to think in terms of prepping for those people in your life. Uh, it is one thing for you to make your way across the dangerous urban landscape to get from a place where there's riots to get to another place where there isn't riots. It's quite another to do that with a toddler under your arm or in a backpack or in a stroller. You know, you've got to think about these things and people who don't plan for that, people who forget the lowest common denominator, meaning what is the thing that's going to limit my speed and my ability to travel and my ability to overcome obstacles. You know, we, every group, every party has a lowest common denominator. It's like, picture a convoy of five cars. You cannot go any faster than the slowest car in the convoy or you do not have a convoy. And that is the lowest common denominator. It, the same is true of people also, not just dependents. It's not just about the other people. Also where you are concerned, what happens if you get hurt, if you sprain your ankle, if you otherwise do uh, something that prevents you from being able to do what you were previously capable of doing? What if you just get sick? We're in a time of pandemic. What happens if you get COVID and suddenly you feel like death warmed over and you're a danger to everybody else? You've got to plan for these factors. If you don't, 
Failing to plan for these lowest common denominators is what can stop you from accomplishing what you previously were capable of doing, and that can get you killed. All right, uh, number three, prepping for the wrong threats. I touched on this a little while ago. Uh, a lot of survivalists and preppers focus on the stuff that's cool and sexy. Knives and guns and ammo and all that stuff is, is fun. It's fun to think about. Other types of gear and survival equipment, those are fun. Those are sexy. But you've got to plan for the boring stuff, for the stuff that's not fun and sexy. Stuff like food and water and medical care. When the 2020 pandemic happened, there were things I never would have thought to stockpile. It would never have occurred to me that I needed toilet paper. Never. Never in a million years. Uh, if not for the fact that somebody warned me to make sure you get toilet paper, I would never have even thought of it. Um, all of the medical stuff that, you know, the, the gloves and, and uh, antiseptics and, and uh, hand sanitizer, all those things, I didn't have any of that either. And I felt particularly stupid about that because Warrior Life and before that, Modern Combat and Survival, before our brand change, Jeff Anderson has been preaching about the inevitability of pandemic for years. <laughs> and I, I have never felt more chagrined than the moment I realized Holy cow, I own the manual for what to do. It's sold by the company I work for, and I haven't done any of the things in it. So I, I took out our, our previous version of that pandemic survival guide, which we updated in 2020 for COVID, and uh, I just followed along. So my girlfriend and, and, and her family, they, they, were, they thought I was a genius. They thought I was really good at this stuff. I'm like, no, no, not at all just following the book that, that uh, my boss wrote. So really, it, 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 even people who should be the most prepared, even people who should have known that this was a possibility were caught off guard because honestly, while I knew intellectually that it was a possibility, I just never thought it was going to happen. I just didn't think it could happen to me. I was prepping for the wrong threats. Riots and other things, those seemed real to me, and we'd seen those in the news. Having weapons, having self-defense equipment, having security equipment, those things all seemed real to me. The idea of a pandemic illness, I just wished it wouldn't happen. I just like, well, hope that doesn't come here because that would stink. When Ebola happened a few years before, we all got all worked up, and then it just kind of went away. And uh, I was really concerned about Ebola, but... Not really. It never affected my life. Nothing ever changed. It was in the news, but, you know, they didn't shut down any stores for Ebola. My work was never shut down for Ebola. So it didn't seem real. It was just a thing in the news to be afraid of that eventually disappeared. Very different when the 2020 pandemic happened along, and that's when I realized I had been prepping for the wrong threats. Okay, number four is, we're going to change gears a little bit. Number four has to do with waiting too long. And by that I mean, let's say you've got all your preparations, you've got all your gear, you've got everything you need, but there's a danger. You have to leave before the danger gets to you. Well, when you leave, you might wait too long. Waiting too long is number four. If I wait too long to escape the flood, if I wait too long to escape the wildfires, if I wait too long to evacuate an area that I've been told to evacuate, I could be killed by the emergency that I'm being told to flee. But that's not the only issue. Let's say that the emergency, the fires, the floods, whatever it is, that those don't get me. I could still end up getting killed because I've waited so long to escape, to flee, to evacuate, that my escape routes are all clogged with other people who've also waited too long. 
one of the keys that we talk about in, in so many of the materials we put out here at Warrior Life is that you've got to get ahead of the crowd. You've got to jump first so that you have a clear evacuation route and you're not caught in those miles and miles of clogged roads of, full of refugees. You know, you've got to find a way out, alternative routes out, so that you can evacuate without getting caught in the masses. So waiting too long is one of those things that can get you killed. All of that brings me to number five, which is cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is something that we, we talked a lot about this during the pandemic. Jeff did podcasts about it. Cognitive dissonance is basically the uncomfortable feeling when what's happening, when what's real, is something you don't want to acknowledge. You don't want to admit to yourself that this bad thing is happening, so you avoid it by pretending it's not, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of sticking your fingers in your ears and going, la, 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 I can't hear you because you don't want to hear the reality of what's happening. And we have never seen a better example of cognitive dissonance than during the 2020 pandemic. There were a lot of people who simply didn't want to acknowledge that there were real threats out there. They didn't want to change what they were doing um, during the, the just ridiculous lockdowns and everything else. A lot of people got really depressed because of the cognitive dissonance of not wanting to admit that this thing was happening in the world. I can remember in, uh, you know, like a month in, I remember saying to my girlfriend, I don't know if I can do this for another month. And I look back on that and think how ridiculous it was considering that it's now been almost two years. So you've got to embrace reality. We may not want to accept what's happening. You know, uh, what's that phrase? Embrace the suck. You, you, you may not want to em embrace or acknowledge that something bad is happening, but the first step to surviving any threat is acknowledging the threat. You can't just pretend it's not there. You know, you can't say, well, I don't see the bear. I'm covering my eyes so the bear can't hurt me. The bear will still maul you whether you're looking at him or not. So reality is that bear. A threat is that, that bear. You cannot just pretend reality isn't happening or that the threat isn't real because the threat doesn't care what you acknowledge, what you accept. Uh, and that's the key to overcoming cognitive dissonance is to say, look, I may not like it, but acknowledging reality, acknowledging the, the real threats that I face is the first step to planning and overcoming. Uh, and without acknowledging that reality, even though it may be unpleasant, you're not going to get further ahead. When the 2020 pandemic happened, I got really depressed uh, for about a month, I was just low because of everything that was happening. Uh, and I got over it. And you can too. Uh, cognitive dissonance can be overcome. Uh, and sometimes it takes you a while to work through it. But honestly, feeling sorry for yourself, feeling bad, being upset, these are not survival strategies. They're not solutions. What does solve your problems is planning and overcoming these difficulties. So to review, why survivalists die. Number one, thinking but not doing. Number two, forgetting the lowest common denominator. Number three, prepping for the wrong threats. Number four, waiting too long. And number five, cognitive dissonance. As you've seen, all of these things can be overcome, but the first step to overcoming them is recognizing when you're doing them. All right, that's going to about do it for this podcast. I am Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson. Until next time, prepare, train, and survive. 
You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive. Survive.